This is MSU Today. Here's Russ White. We're remembering WJR radio legend Frank Beckman on the program today. In 2006, on a beautiful June day at MSU's Forest Acres Golf Course, Frank told me he was hired on September 11th, 1972, in the news department at WJR. Yeah, news. I was the youngest newsman they ever hired at the time. I was 22 years old when I went there. And I uh, thought, uh, well, my goal was because I, I had always, as, as a lot of young people do early in their careers, I jumped around from job to job and never kept one very long. You kept trying to move up. And when I got that job, I said, my goal is to be in this job for five years, see if I can stay someplace for five years. And uh, so I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. <laughs> well, tell me how were you always interested in being in radio and sort of how you got to JR and maybe who some of your mentors were in, in broadcasting growing up? Well, I did always want to be in radio. And uh, when I grew up, I had a, a tape recorder, and I used to play tabletop games, and I would announce the game sitting at the dining room table, and uh, then I would watch TV and announce games that were on television, football games, and uh, especially Lions games. It was easiest to do. Yeah, you had the lineups that were right in your TV guide. You had all the, the numbers. And I had a real good friend named Bill Jamison, uh, who our, our mothers worked together. And Bill would later on become the, uh, go on to hold a number of jobs in sports, including PR director for the Red Wings. But when we were younger uh, and we were together with our families, uh, he, he told me about Van Patrick, uh, the, the old announcer who did the, the Lions and Michigan State and Notre Dame and the, the did Tigers for a while. I did just about every every team you could imagine. Uh, but anyway, he, he told me how good Van was, and he says, you know, he knows the names, numbers, and colleges of every player in the NFL. Now, back then, there were only 14 teams, so it, it was not quite as daunting as it is now with 30. But I said, really? He memorizes all that? And he said, yeah, he memorizes all of that. And I just thought that was so incredible. And so I, I sort of set that as my first goal, is I wanted to be like that. And I knew I wanted to be a sportscaster, and I wanted to remember all that stuff. So I would just uh, do the games watching the TV and then critique myself later. And uh, as luck would have it, my, my parents, uh, they, they had a choice. They, they had a son who talked to himself at the dining room table so they could, they could either try to nurture that or have me committed. And I, I'm glad they chose the former. But we moved out to Warren when I was in high school. And I went to Cusno High School. They had a radio station, and I started working there. And uh, make a long story short, I, I just uh, followed the career path from there. I went to work at a, a number of stations along the way and worked with some great people, uh, Bob Reynolds at JR, J.P. McCarthy. And, uh, you know, they all have an impact on you. Bruce Martin, you know, they're, they're just solid professionals who, who, who know the job at hand, know how to do it, and take great pride in doing it well. And that's, that's what always impressed me about all of them and uh, and why the, I think they were such an impact on my career. And how long in news at JR, and how does the transition to the sports director happen? Well, I was I was always doing news before I ever got to JR. My, my work in the business at the various stations I worked at was in news. It wasn't in sports. Uh, and, and I thought that's where my career path was going when I got hired as, as a newsman at JR. 
And uh, I, I think I did pretty well at that. I won a number of awards and was an anchor and a reporter and did a lot of investigative work and had a lot of fun doing it. But after only about three years, really, it wasn't all that long after the Jimmy Hoffa disappearance where we won a lot of awards, uh, they were looking to do some new things in the sports department, which was run by Bob Reynolds at the time. And uh, so they knew of my interest in sports, and they had me cover a few stories in sports uh, to kind of get my feet wet and see whether they liked me and whether I was doing the kinds of things that they were looking for. And they said, yeah, and I went to work in the sports department. And then eventually, after, uh, after Bob left and retired, uh, I, I moved into that role as sports director and, uh, and, and continued in that for a long time until the last few years when I started gravitating back toward the news side again. And uh, it's, uh, it's been an interesting ride with a, with a lot of variety, and uh, I, I don't think I'd trade it for anybody else's career. Now tell me how you became play-by-play voice for the Lions, I think, first, and then it became University of Michigan for Bob Euford. And, and I think you were doing both for a while, some of those interesting travel experiences, but how did you get to both of those positions? Well, I was uh, after I moved over into sports, uh, one of the things that I did was a Lions pre- and post-game show, and I did it from the studio. And uh, I started to do it that way, and then, of course, there was the, the allure of travel, and I, I lobbied for, for being able to go on the road and do the show. I said, if I can do this from the studio, I can do it on the road, and I can help out with production, whatever these guys need. And uh, they said, fine. And so I, I began to do that. Eventually, uh, Mike Lucci, I can't remember the circumstances anymore, but he was doing color, and he left the broadcast. And I said, if there's any way you'll let me do this, I'd, I'd be happy to do it. I'm a football junkie. I'll work hard at it. I'll talk to coaches. And they said, well, we'll give it a try. And I started doing color with Bob. And then uh, one season, again, don't ask me what year. I'm getting too old to remember the years anymore, Russ. Uh, one year, Bob became ill. Uh, we were in Chicago. I remember it. We were getting on the bus after a game, and uh, Bob was doing play-by-play back then. And he became ill, and they took him off the bus in Chicago, and he, he was placed in the hospital with some heart problems. And uh, he, was, uh, he was out for a couple of weeks. And so I did play-by-play while he was sick. In fact, I did play-by-play that uh, Thanksgiving Day game when you see the highlight all the time of Lawrence Taylor intercepting Gary Danielson down by the goal line and running back about 96 yards the other way. That was, I think, that was the first game that I did, as a matter of fact, for the Lions. Um, at any rate, Bob's, uh, Bob's health was taking a turn for the worse, and, uh, and so they, they made a change in the broadcast booth, and I became the play-by-play voice of, of the Lions. And then uh, uh, after I, I, I did that, it was you know, quite natural that, that uh, when Bob Eufer became ill that I got that opportunity, too. It's, it's unfortunate that this is what happens in the business, though. You, know, you, you always want an opportunity to, to prove yourself, but you don't want it to happen at someone else's expense. And sadly, that's happened to me twice in my career, with Bob Reynolds becoming ill and Bob Eufer with his cancer. And uh, that's, uh, that's simply how it happened. I, I have no control over that, and I'm sorry that it ever did happen that way, but it did. But uh, both of them are great people to work with. They got a chance to work with, you know, real pros. And Bob Eufer, what was what was really interesting about Bob was, uh, you know, everyone knew he was suffering from brain cancer. And the first game I did with uh, with Michigan was 1981, and it was at Wisconsin season opener. Uh, they're ranked number one in the country going into the season, and the opener was a Big Ten game at Wisconsin. And I remember going there. They they had asked me to go do the game because Youf was sick, but Youf still went on the trip. He just wasn't strong enough to do the game, he didn't think. 
And I went to his hotel room and I told him I needed to meet with him to get some information about the team. And I said, I didn't know what to expect, whether he'd be a little bit resentful that someone was sitting in his chair. I just, I didn't know. And, and I went to his room and the first thing he opened the, well, Wayne Deneff, the, the old reporter from Ann Arbor, remember him? He opened the door and he's a good friend of Bob. And I walked in and Bob's sitting in bed and he's got his fedora on, his maize and blue fedora. Uh, because, you know, all his hair was gone. He'd had cancer surgeries, and, and he was just sitting in bed, and he just lit up when I when I walked in the room, and he says, come over here. I got some things I got to tell you for the broadcast. And I'm like, oh, man, how, I couldn't have asked for somebody better than this person. And then uh, Bob wound up doing only two games that year. He came back after about three three weeks and uh, did two games, and then he passed away, and, uh, and I continued doing them from there. So you're taken on a bus ride last fall up to MSU and surprised by the announcement, I guess, that, that WJR and MSU are back together again. First, did it take you by surprise, and what are your thoughts on now WJR carrying MSU, but thankfully you still getting to do the U of M games? Well, I was totally surprised by what happened. Uh, I had no warning whatsoever uh, uh, or inclination that, that that's why we were going on that bus ride. We were supposed to be going on a station dinner. So, uh, I was shocked. I was I was stunned. You know, you don't expect thirty year relationships to end that suddenly without warning. Um, but my my hope was I knew right away that uh, that there was there was going to Michigan State. In in my opinion, did the right thing first of all by keeping their announced team with George Blaha doing the play by play. Uh, that's that was the proper thing for them to do. I heard one suggestion from somebody in our company. Well, you, well, you could do the games, and I said, no, I couldn't. You, you're, look, you've you've got tradition in both schools. You've got my tradition with Michigan. And you've got Georgia's tradition with Michigan State. Why would you want to change any of that? And it's the right thing to do to keep him. And I said, I still want to do Michigan games. I'm, I'm associated with Michigan. I've been doing the games for 25 years. I'm, a, I'm an honorary letter winner at Michigan. Uh, what am I going to do for the Michigan-Michigan State game? Walk in with my Michigan letter winner's jacket into the Spartan radio booth? And I, I said, that's, that's out of the question. And so I said, you know, it's interesting. There's some precedent here for this. Because if you go back to the mid-'70s, when WJR went from a Michigan State station with Bob Reynolds as the voice to a Michigan station with Bob Eufer. Bob Reynolds was allowed to remain at WJR and continue his work, but he followed Michigan State to the other station to continue doing the Spartans games. They continued the tradition. JR allowed him to do that. I said, so there's absolute precedence for this. And it took a while to, you know, work out all the details of it, but it finally did work out, Russ, and I'm, I'm just uh, I'm thrilled it did. I think, it's, I think it turned out uh, best for everybody. I really do. Uh, keeping George at the microphone for MSU football and, and allowing me to do Michigan football. We we both get to continue doing what we love, and, uh, and I think that's great. Is there a little sorrow that you won't be doing it on WJR, or is that just the way it goes in radio? It's a business like everything else. I don't, I don't look at it that way. I, when I'm sitting in the booth doing a game, it doesn't even cross my mind what station it's on because you know it's on stations all around the state and all around the country. It's picked up on satellite radio. Uh, over the Internet, you're heard around the world. Uh, you know you're on Armed Forces radio. Uh, and so, you know, all of our great soldiers in Iraq and Afghanistan are hearing us. So it, it really doesn't even, it never crosses my mind. So when I sit in that booth for the, for the opener this fall, I'm, uh, I'm just going to be broadcasting Michigan football. I'm watching the game and doing the game, and, you know, my voice is going out to, uh, around the world for people to listen to, and, uh, and that's all I think about. 
I personally think you get a very bad rap for somehow being anti-Spartan. You and I have talked about that before, but I can remember when we still worked together in 1990 after the Desmond Howard trip game, when you were still hosting the granddaddy of all sports talk shows that you created, Sports Rep. You spent that entire week telling angry listeners that one play doesn't decide a game. And it just... I'd like you to comment on on this bad rap I I think you have that you're somehow anti-Spartan. That I hate Michigan State. And I'll tell that to my father-in-law. He's uh, he's a graduate and has a master's from Michigan State and we get along quite quite well and, and never fight and I don't even kid him about being a Spartan, you know. People people are going to draw their uh, their own opinions and and they're they're often misguided. And most times you can do nothing about it, so I, I don't worry about it. Uh, I've always admired Michigan State. I, I just happen to have been the announcer for the University of Michigan, which is State's big rival. And and so there are going to be times, and there's been such a a, a list of controversies. You know, the the Eddie Brown trip in the end zone, and you know the one second game that's criminal, and everybody. I mean, it's just part of the the lore, and people would just relax and and say, you know. Enjoy it for what it is. It's a football game, and it's it's just part of the rivalry. You know, there's uh, there, there's no need to to have any dislike for one another in the rivalry. That's that's what bothers me. I think the most is that people get into this. I can't like you because you do Michigan football or something. As if your affiliation with a college should have every, anything to do with the way you view a person. And I've I've never understood that. Uh, I I've always had a, a place close in my heart. Uh, are close to my heart for, for Michigan State football. The first college game I ever saw was in Spartan Stadium when I was at Cusno High School in Warren. Uh, you know, went with the varsity club, saw Michigan play Penn State here. Uh, my dad was a huge Spartan fan. He he resented Michigan because Michigan kept Michigan State out of the Big Ten for so long. And he was the guy who always loved the underdog, you know. And and so we always followed Michigan State in my house and, and cheered for them. And uh, I, I I don't get it, but I've I've stopped trying to explain it to people because uh, it, it it doesn't matter anymore. I I know who I am. I've got great friends at Michigan State, and uh, uh, I I love them dearly. And they're just two different schools. I do Michigan football, and and Michigan State wants to beat Michigan. That that's it. End of story for me. We're remembering WJR radio legend Frank Beckman talking with me there in 2006. Nine years later, in 2015, at that same spot, Forest Acres Golf Course at MSU, I asked Frank to reflect on his just-completed 30-plus years doing radio play-by-play for University of Michigan football. Well, it was, it was a great time. I, uh, you know, I don't uh, regret anything about that time in the booth. Uh, it's, you know, I covered two Heisman Trophy winners at a national championship team. I got to call, and uh, it was it was just a great experience. All the people you meet along the way, the the wonderful, wonderful leaders like Bo Schembechler, especially. Uh, you know, you you can't put a price on that kind of thing. You know, the 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 relationships you develop, even outside of the football program within a school, and uh, you know, those those things are are memorable and and. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example of, of people you meet. Uh, Dr. Kim Eagle was Bo's heart doctor. Uh, I have a dear friend right now who's suffering from prostate cancer, second go-round, and uh, wanted to see one of the experts at the University of Michigan. And so you're able to call a Dr. Eagle who puts him in touch with 
one of the prostate cancer specialists, one of the best in the country at U of M Medical Center. My friend's now going to be treated by him. So it's those kind of relationships that you can never foresee when you go into something like that, that later on that turn more valuable than anything you've ever seen on a football field. Frank, how do you think college football changed the most, maybe, in your time calling it? And, and where do you see it going? Are you, are you concerned at all about its future or pretty optimistic? I'm not concerned at all about its future. There, there are people who have gone after the sport of football who want to say it's too violent and things like that. But, you know, th- this, is a, this is a sport that, that builds character, uh, builds young men, builds personal responsibility, builds teamwork. All, as you know, Russ, are valuable in the real world, uh, those, those sorts of things. You've, you've got to be able to collaborate with others. Uh, you've got to be able to think on your own. Uh, all things that lead to your success. Uh, as for the way the game's changed, you know, the playoff obviously is the biggest change that, we, that we've seen over time. The, the way the bowl system has, uh, well, it's grown, for one. There are a lot more bowl games now. Some say that's a bad thing. I don't. If kids get to play one more football game and, and they're getting joy out of it, great. That's good for them. I mean, the game is, is for those players as well as the fans. So uh, schools get great joy out of that. The game itself is still about blocking and tackling. It's a bottom line. You can have all the spread offenses you want, throw the ball all around the field. you still got to block and tackle. If you don't do that, you can't play football, and that's never going to change. And, Frank, are you excited to see the Mark D'Antonio-Jim Harbaugh rivalry start to play out, and how do you see that going? It's going to be fun. Harbaugh will bring Michigan back. He's a, he's a terrific coach, and it'll take him a couple of years because of the talent level right now at Michigan that's not up to uh, Michigan State standards, quite frankly. Uh, Mark D'Antonio's done a super job at MSU. I mean, you can't, you can't do anything but tip your hat to him and, and really acknowledge what a, what a marvelous job he's done in recruiting, in coaching these kids, in having them competitive every week, doesn't matter the opponent. And uh, he's, he's put Michigan State up in the upper echelon of college football. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's got a chance to do that at Michigan. He's been successful everywhere he's been, whether you look at San Diego, uh, Stanford, or the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the question there is going to be, in, in my own opinion, uh, how long he stays at Michigan because his track record has been four years and out. So uh, we'll see. I mean, maybe he'll feel like that's home and he wants to stay there long term and create a legacy like uh, a Bo Schembechler if he has that kind of success on the field. Uh, but the rivalry is going to be fun. And uh, Harbaugh is never one to uh, shy away from a good quote. So there'll be uh, there'll be plenty of fireworks that way. Mark D'Antonio's always had a quick retort for anybody who's who said something. It's going to be fun that way, too. Frank, thanks so much for sharing your insights with us and visiting us in East Lansing. It's great to be here. I, I love East Lansing. Love your golf course. Love the people here. Uh, I've always had a great relationship with the people at MSU, and I hope it continues for many, many more years, Russ. Thank you. WJR radio legend Frank Beckman talking with me there in the summer of 2015. Rest in peace, Frank. I'm Russ White for MSU Today. Find, rate, and subscribe to MSU Today with Russ White on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your shows. And please, share this conversation if you're so inclined.